This week on the Pressure Cast, the Nintendo Switch sells over 2 million, the Xbox One gets a digital refund system, and the Uncharted spinoff gets a release date. It's Monday, April 17th, 2017. Everything happening in the world of video games is here, now on the Pressure Cast. Hey, hey, Pressure Pals, welcome to the 177th episode of the Pressure Cast. Video games are dumb.com's weekly news panic that posts every single Monday on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, TuneIn Radio, Google Play Music, and America's longest running independent newspaper at shepherdexpress.com. My name is Colin Tanner, and I am caffeinated and ready to ramble to you about some gosh darn video games. But in case you never listened to the Pressure Cast before, it's pretty straightforward. Each week, the Pressure Cast slices up the latest video game news, past, present, and future, and puts them in several sensational segments and jams it right in your ears in two hours or less. If you want to contact the Pressure Cast, you can email pressurecast at gmail.com. You can call or text 954-947-7377, leave a voicemail to be heard on air, or have a text message and I'll read it on air, or you can even tweet at VGADUM, or even leave a comment at facebook.com slash VGADUM. That is a lot of links. I understand. And if you didn't catch all that, do not worry. It's available in the description of this podcast or this YouTube video. I hope you all had a good Easter. I hope you got all the eggs and, and you got all the, the ham. You sliced the ham and you were around the table with the with the thing that was full of fruits in the in the wait, no, that's Thanksgiving. <laughs> that's not that's not Easter. I don't know why. What is that thing? I don't actually know what it's called, but that, uh, some kids have to make it in school. I never did, but do you know what I'm talking about? It's like a cone. And it's please leave a comment if you know what this is called, and I will make sure to uh, add it to the corrections uh, next week. Uh, but yes, we have a lot of video game news to get to this week. There's a ton of Nintendo news. Xbox just introduced this new refund program. We got a lot of PlayStation news talking about financial numbers. We're going to be talking about all the things that happened 10 years ago and beyond in strong history. So uh, before we do that, though, I want to listen back to you guys. That's right. I want to hear back from the listeners. I want to talk back to the viewers and a little something we like to call thank you for the email. Like I said, 954-947-7377, pressurecast at gmail.com or at VGADUM on Twitter. And like I said before, you can find that in the description below. We got yet another voicemail from one of my favorite uh, uh, correspondents, Keon. Without further ado, take it away, Keon. Hey, hey, what's going on, Pressure Cast? How are you guys feeling? This is Keon again, bothering you again from uh, Baltimore. Just wanted to ask you a quick question, Colin, pertaining to the Scorpio. That's the hot button topic that everybody's talking about now. Uh, some people love it. Some people dislike it and are saying that Microsoft still will not take any share of the gaming market because it doesn't have any games, no exclusives. I think that's still a little unfair to say, even though it does look a little bad. But E3 hasn't happened, so we haven't gotten any new announcements yet. But my question to you, Colin, is how much would it be to build a PC with that equivalent setup? Just out of curiosity, because some people are still saying that they think it's going to be 400 I doubt that strongly. I don't think that's going to happen. But some people are saying 5 and 6 
I'm leaning more towards five, but I'm just curious, you know, just wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that. That being said, I hope you have a good one, Colin, and thanks for everything you do, my man. Bye-bye. Keon, thank you for the voicemail. Remember, 954-947-7377. Uh, Keon, always a pleasure. Seriously, always asking really good questions. But I want to be honest. I have no earthly idea how much the Xbox One Scorpio actually costs to produce. Um, I have no idea where you could even get an 8-core processor at 2.3 gigahertz, I think it is. And also, I don't really know, uh, you know how you could replicate the Scorpio engine, because that's really important. They, they use that example where they took thousands of, of, of commands and, and put it down in, and streamlined it to 11. I don't know if you could replicate that on a PC. I assume you could, but I don't know if you'd even want to, because, you know, the Xbox One, it's a set-top box. It goes right underneath the television, the television, <laughs> and, and you uh, you just leave it there, whereas PCs, uh, it has a multitude of functions. Uh, I use it to do things like videos and record audio, things that... You know, the Xbox One just doesn't prioritize, so I'm not sure if you'd want to actually do that. Uh, not to mention, uh, GDDR5 RAM. There are 12 gigabytes inside the Xbox One. Now, that's split between the GPU and the system itself, but you really cannot buy uh, GDDR5 on its own for PCs yet. You really can't. Uh, DDR4, on the other hand, you absolutely can. That is the industry standard uh, right now. But GD GDDR5, no. So I don't, I don't really know how much that costs in particular. I don't know how much is being put into the GPU and how much is being put into uh, the system itself because uh, Microsoft did not list that. So I'll be honest, I have no idea how much it costs. Though current speculation, like you mentioned, is around $500. Um, but I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Xbox right now and, and its current position in the market because I really want to address this last week. But of course, we were at Midwest Gaming Classic. Uh, there were literally people from, from hotel security that were knocking on the door like, are you guys getting out anytime soon? Because we want to clean this place. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> so we were recording. It was, uh, it was a cluster, but it was a really good time. But I do want to talk more about the Xbox One Scorpio, what I thought about the spec, what I expect Microsoft to do, and I want to start off with something that's a little controversial. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft actually charges $400. And I know some people are shaking their heads saying, no way, did you see those specs? There's no way, it's going to be $500, it's going to be $600. But I would not be surprised if Microsoft somehow found a way to lower the cost of the system, uh, perhaps through, I don't know, bulk purchases of the of the hardware itself. Maybe they cut a deal with AMD, who is supplying the, uh, the processor there. Um, but I mean, maybe 500. I wouldn't go any farther than that, but 400 sounds reasonable. Uh, and I know this might even sound more crazy, but if they didn't work out a deal, maybe, just maybe, they're just gonna take a loss. You know, maybe the system costs $430 to produce, right? And they're just gonna go, whatever, we'll eat the $30. That's fine, because they have this much faith in this console. And uh, they should, because if you look at the market right now, we're three and a half years in. Now, let me think about it. Uh, so November, yeah, three and a half years in right now. And there are people out there that are grumbling about their PlayStation 4s. They're not content. Now, there's really no reason that they shouldn't be content. Uh, I would say that the PlayStation 4 currently is the better console. That's just my opinion. Uh, for a while there, I thought the Xbox One was actually slightly better because it had more exclusives. Now, the PlayStation 4, it's got Horizon Zero Dawn, it's got Persona 5, it's got a lot of really great games. And so I, I got to give it to PlayStation. But there, there are people that are like, ugh. My PlayStation doesn't 
do this thing or that thing, and it doesn't have ultra high definition Blu-rays, and they're just frustrated. They just want something new and fresh, really. They just want something different because they, like I said, they've had three and a half years with this console, and they around that time people start looking across the fence. Now I'm not going to say they're going to sell their PlayStation 4s, but maybe they're eager to pick up something else. And right now it's the Nintendo Switch and this Xbox One Scorpio, and from from my point of view, right now, Microsoft is doing everything right. Everything. They are doing an A-plus job at communicating what's going on with the Scorpio. And before we discuss why that is, I do want to take it back to 2013, uh, when they debuted the Xbox One in spring. Do you remember that presentation? You had, um, oh, what was his name? He never comes up anymore. Oh, I can't remember the name of, uh, Don Matrick. Don Matrick. He uh, was on stage, <laughs> he steps out, <laughs> he's got his little blazer on, actually I kind of look like Don Matrick today the way I'm dressed, but the point is that he came out there and he's like, Xbox One, that's the new system, look at these specs, now look at what it can do with the television, isn't that impressive? Well, goodbye, and everyone's like, where, where, where's the games? Where's the games? And they're like, don't worry, we're going to show the games off at E3. And people are sitting there going, well, then why did I watch this? And that was the first impression of the Xbox One was just like TV and, and specs. What what are you talking about? Why would I ever buy this thing? Whereas Sony is just like games, 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 games. That, you know, and, and, and to be fair, you know, uh, it was it was not a, a bad idea. The, the, the roadmap that Microsoft had developed was actually pretty smart. It was the execution that was the problem. So instead of having like some sort of big, long, boring press conference, they went to Digital Foundry, which in case you don't know who Digital Foundry is, they're the guys that put out those videos that are talking about frame rates, they're talking about resolution, they're talking about uh, graphical power of systems. They're the most trusted. They're, I would say, more so than any other website. If you want to know the technical specs about, uh, you know, an Xbox One versus a PlayStation 4, uh, a brand new GPU for uh, a PC, uh, uh, just anything that's technical, they are the most trusted. So instead of having Don Matrick, here we go, look at these specs, woo-wah-woo, because of course he's going to say it's great. They went to a third party. They went to Digital Foundry. They went to someone that's trusted. And now you just take it as truth. The specs are great. We know the specs are great. Well, why isn't Digital Foundry talking about the games? Because that's not what they do. They talk about specs. Very smart move on there on, on for, for Microsoft. And now at E3, we're going to find out how much it costs. We're going to find out what the games will look like. Uh, that's exactly what E3 is for. We go to E3 to find out about the games. And so this is identical to what they did in 2013. Just smarter, more streamlined, going through the right people. And you know... Every third-party press conference, whether it's Square Enix, whether it's Bethesda, whether it's uh, uh, Electronic Arts with their uh, EA Play event, they are all going to name-check the Xbox One Scorpio. And if the Xbox One Scorpio is truly the most powerful console, which it likely is because we have seen the specs, which are better than the PlayStation 4 Pro, which are better than the PlayStation 4, which are better than the Nintendo Switch, that's not even really a competition, uh, even though the Switch is great in its own way, they will likely want to show off their game playing on Xbox One Scorpio because it puts the game in the best light. And on top of that, I'm sure Microsoft will have a couple of big exclusives. Maybe they have something that's related to Halo. They're like, oh, we have Halo 6, and they're really going to try and sell people on that. And I'm sure they'll have that moment with like with the added power of Xbox One Scorpio. And I hope they keep the name Scorpio, by the way. I hope they don't change it to like Xbox One something stupid. I don't know. But I'm sure they'll have that moment where they're like, with 4K... You can have four 
you know, images for split screen. Like they're going to make a big deal out of split screen and, and, and 4K and the power of Scorpio. That's what I would do. I think that'd be very, very, very smart. But um, so that'll be it. I think that's what they're going to do with E3. I think this is a, everything so far is, is really good. But now I want to talk a little bit about the marketing. If I were Microsoft for the Xbox One Scorpio, I would push. I know you're going to laugh. Please don't laugh. I can hear you laughing already. Oh, you're laughing at something else. That's cool. I thought you were laughing at me. I just, I'm really vulnerable right now with this whole Xbox One Scorpio prediction. But if I were Microsoft, I would push the nostalgia factor. This nostalgia. What? What the hell are you talking about? They don't have any nostalgia. What do they got? They got Halo. They got Call of Duty. That's third party. What do you mean nostalgia? But do you remember that uh, PlayStation 4 advertisement right before the system came out? It was out of the UK. In case you never saw the advertisement, it was this this boy, he was very young, he walked into a room and he was playing uh, the PlayStation 1. And as the years went on, the posters on his wall began to change, the, the view of London outside his window began to change, you saw the Ferris wheel go up, he's playing the PlayStation 2, he's playing the PlayStation 3, and they're like, here's the new generation, the PlayStation 4. Arguably, their most effective ad, and it had nothing to do with video games. There were no games, it was about the console. They were selling the brand. I would take that concept Except I would maybe show, and, and they could just wholesale rip this off because who remembers that ad? Do you remember that ad before I brought it up? Maybe not. Maybe you've never even seen it. I would take that wholesale and replace it with, um, you know, the Xbox 360 and just maybe show like, you know, a younger kid sitting there playing uh, if they could get the rights. I'm not sure if the how long the exclusive deal is with Activision. Maybe Call of Duty on the Xbox 360. Maybe Halo. You know, show them playing Halo 3. Uh, show them playing FIFA. They have a close relationship with EA. Show all these moments about people being connected to the Xbox brand, which at its height was the Xbox 360. And then say, now here's the new generation, uh, the Xbox One. Talk about how there's over 800 games or whatever the hell the number is and talk about how it's the most powerful console ever. And it's like, and, and, and you know, maybe you come up with a new tagline, welcome home. Because for a lot of people, the Xbox 360 was their home for that entire generation. They have fond memories of using the Xbox 360. Now, you might be saying, why? Why would they push this? This is odd. I'm not going to fall for that. Well, that's because if you're watching the show, you're in the know. You read about video games, you read about news, you read about marketing, you do all those types of things. That's what the show is centered around. But last week, we were talking about a Google survey. Google put out the survey about what teenagers think is cool. like that, And it was it was rating all these different brands and, and how much people know about the brand and blah, 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 blah. And when you looked at it, the Xbox brand was viewed more favorably and teenagers were more aware of it than uh, the, the, the PlayStation 4, which, which sounds crazy. But for those teenagers, that's what they associate with video games. Why not remind them of the good old days of 2010, which sounds ridiculous. But if you're 19 years old, you were what, uh, 12? Take them back to the good old days. Nostalgia in teenagers is very powerful. And people laugh at that because they go, what? You haven't even really lived a life yet. But it's effective. It works. They want it to go back to the good old days. Everyone has that, that feeling. Hell, five-year-olds have that feeling. And if Xbox can capitalize on that, I think it'll go very well for them. Don't just look at this Scorpio. All right, don't just look at the Scorpio and assume Microsoft is going to fail because of how uh, popular the PlayStation 4 is. Look back in 2013. There's no way Sony's going to take it. Everyone already has their Xbox Live friends and they have their Xbox Live downloads. That didn't work out for them. 
people jump ship to Sony. So don't assume, even three years in, even with nearly 60 million units sold, that the Sony has a lockup for this generation. You never know. I mean, how weird of a generation is it already? You never know when the tide will turn, when things will flip. By the end of the generation, maybe Xbox and, and, and Sony will be neck and neck. Or maybe Sony will take it. Or maybe Nintendo will be the biggest thing. Don't know. You never can. But Keon, thank you for the email. Remember, pressurecast at gmail.com, 954-947-7377, and uh, at VGA Dumb on Twitter. I always love hearing back from you guys, so please leave comments in uh, the, this YouTube video, and I'll respond to you, and maybe I'll read it on air. Read it on air. Read on meow. Read on meow meow. I will read it on your cat. Email your cat, pressurecast at gmail.com, dot paw, dot whisker. Okay, we should probably leave this segment and get on the train. Chug 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 chug. Here comes the train. Tooty toot toot. Beep, beep. That's right. It's time for the hype train. Feel the PR vibrations as we barrel towards video game satisfaction station on the hype train. This is the part of the show where we talk about all those upcoming video games and events to get you hyped up to spend all your money and become a video game guru. Uh, we're going to be starting off the hype train by talking about all the Nintendo Switch news. Earlier this week, Nintendo obviously had a uh, Nintendo Direct presentation. Uh, first off, the third-person fighting game ARMS will be released on June 16th of this year. ARMS is being produced by Koshi... I'm going to try this. Kosuki Yabuki. Uh, he's the man that directed uh, Mario Kart 7 and 8. So he actually does have a pretty good pedigree. Uh, I believe he is producing this title. Yes, he's producing it. Uh, unlike other fighting games, ARMS positions, positions the camera behind a character, and players will use motion controls to fling their arms towards their opponent, though traditional controls also exist. The new footage shown this week introduces the 2 versus 2 mode, as well as the ability to mix and match weapons in each hand. So one hand will have like fire ability, one hand will have electric abilities and that was really the whole footage right there that was the thing they showed us a couple of matches and you know what i gotta admit i i watched that footage i was really skeptical and i'm still skeptical i'm just not excited about this game and there are critics out there that i really respect that sat back played the game and said it's good you know they had a 20-minute presentation and i can totally believe that this game is great for 15 to 20 minutes but unlike Splatoon or Mario Kart, there appears to be a little bit of a, I don't know, a limitation in variety. It looks like it's just punching people. Uh, and yes, they had a two versus two mode. It just doesn't look great. They showed off the fact that you could defend yourself by knocking away someone's fist or kicking away their fist. But they, like the strategy just doesn't seem to be all there. It doesn't have the complexity of other fighting games, like maybe a Street Fighter or a Mortal Kombat. And it doesn't have that sort of... Uh, you know, liberation that you'll see in a Mario Kart or a Splatoon. Uh, but I should mention, I didn't expect much for from Splatoon on the Wii U. I didn't expect much from Mario Kart on the Wii U. And those are two of my favorite games of the past generation. Well, actually, the current generation. What do we call the Wii U? Jeez, it is such a weird system. I don't know. But yes, ARMS, It. I don't know. Let me know what you think about it, because right now I have... No idea how to feel. Uh, anyway, toot toot. Uh, the following month, oh, no, 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 the past month, nope, nope, try it again. <laughs> the next month after ARMS is released on uh, July 21st, Splatoon 2 will launch the Nintendo Switch. The follow-up to the 2015 Wii U exclusive will feature the signature ink-based battles 
where the goal is not in kill death ratios, but to cover the stage in your team's ink. Uh, however, in this Nintendo Direct, they revealed a brand new mode called Salmon Run. Uh, here, online players will defend their base from AI-controlled waves, all while attempting to capture the valuable salmon eggs. Are salmon eggs uh, really that valuable? I'm not sure, but that's what they're going with for this uh, basically a horde mode, a defender mode. Uh, also announced, there are three new Splatoon amiibo figures of Inkling Boy, Inkling Girl, and the Inkling Squid. Uh, using the amiibo functionality will be able to store your preferred loadout, kind of like in Call of Duty. You know how you have a particular gun and a particular um, set of skills. <laughs> I'm not trying to do a Taken reference here, but you know you have your, your loadout. You could just tap an amiibo and uh, you could put it right on there. And they even mentioned, like, if you're over at a friend's house, it'll be easy to store your, your data. Which made me wonder, is there going to be split screen in this one? Because there wasn't in the first. I don't know why you're over at a friend's house with data for the game on your Amiibo if you don't have your own Switch. And if you have your own Switch, why don't you just bring it to your friend's house? Either way, this is easily my most anticipated game on the Switch. I put a ton of hours into the original Splatoon. And what I played of the public beta for uh, Splatoon 2 made me even more hyped. They've made some really cool adjustments because obviously they don't have that touchscreen uh, from the Wii U. I mean, they do have a touchscreen on the Switch, but if you're playing on a television where you don't have access to the touchscreen, it still works really well. And the new powers are a ton of fun. They're really, um, I don't know, it sounds ridiculous to say, but violent? Like, you feel empowered. Like, you are destroying people when you when you finally unlock your, uh, your uh, like, jetpack and you're just blasting people away or... Um, I forget what the rest of the powers were. Uh, if you've not played this game, though, I really cannot stress. This is not about a kill-death ratio. Kill-death ratio doesn't matter. All that matters is just covering the stage in your ink, which means you really do have to memorize the maps, like a classic third-person shooter or first-person shooter. This game's in third person, in case you didn't know. And that takes a lot more strategy than you'd guess. As for horde mode, I'm... Not sure if that's a really good fit for Splatoon, but I guess it's rounding out the package, so yay. Though they haven't mentioned anything about the single player, and that has me a little bit worried because the single player was, was very well received in the last game. I didn't really think it needed one. I could just play it online all day, but this is a Nintendo project, so hopefully they have something in store. Uh, single player, like I said, just everyone else really liked it. Wasn't quite my thing. I just played it so I could unlock really powerful uh, weapons and items. Now, this might sound a bit ridiculous, uh, but I'm shocked that they are releasing more Amiibos for Splatoon. They also announced that they're releasing Amiibos for um, Super Smash Brothers, like Bayonetta and, and some other characters, which basically, to me at least, confirms that they are just going to re-release Smash Brothers on the Nintendo Switch. I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point. I think that's, you know, that's an obvious one, uh, especially because those characters are so popular. But releasing a, another batch of Splatoon Amiibos, that's kind of risky. And you might be rolling your eyes going, what are you talking about? They always sell out. Well, no, they don't. Because I remember when I was going to GameStop a lot, and every time they had a new Amiibo, there'd be someone at the front of the door. Because I'd always go in the mornings, you know, avoid the crowd. But every time there was a new Amiibo, which I never knew when the date was actually going to be, I'd show up and be like, whoa, what are you waiting here for? Oh, they got the brand new Peach Amiibo. I don't know. But people were really hyped for it. The Splatoon Amiibos were the first time that I saw them not sell out. And not only that, but they sat on that shelf for months at a time. And this is when every other Amiibo was flying out the door. The ones for the Splatoon characters, no one gave a shit. And this wasn't just like uh, Amiibo, <laughs> a Amiibo. This was a pack of three. You could get all the Splatoon Amiibos in one package. It was kind of a deal. And they just sat there. Nobody cared. And... 
I don't know, maybe now that they're an established character, people will be more intrigued or more likely to purchase this because now they've experienced the game and they're, and they're more hyped and they want to see those characters on the shelf. But, mm, I think people just want more Zelda stuff, which they are also providing. There's three new uh, Zelda amiibos. I think they want more Mario stuff. I think they want more characters that they grew up with. I don't know if they want Splatoon amiibos. I don't want Splatoon amiibos, and I love Splatoon. But then again, I don't like amiibos in general. Anyway, toot toot, and a surprise, <laughs> and a move that will surprise no one, Minecraft is coming to the Nintendo Switch. On May 11th, Minecraft Nintendo Switch Edition will be released digitally on the eShop with a physical version coming out some point later in the year. Included in this version is the Super Mario Mashup Pack, featuring the familiar faces and characters of the Mario franchise. I suppose when you say faces, it's kind of obvious that they're attached to characters. Uh, whatever. That's really the whole story right there, and I think it's fairly obvious that Minecraft was going to be released on the Switch sooner or later. And, you know, I'm not the biggest Minecraft fan. I respect it for what it is. Uh, it's it's a, it's cool to see an independent game become this big, even if it's owned by Microsoft right now. And that's worth pointing out. Microsoft is basically releasing a game on the Nintendo Switch. It's kind of cool. Feels kind of perverted, you know? But I have a lot of questions about this. First of all, which version of the game will this be? Because in case you don't know, Minecraft is extremely different if you're playing it on the... I don't know, the the mobile version on the phone or on a tablet. You see a lot of kids that play that version. You can't build as big of an environment. It's a little bigger when you have the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 version. It's a lot bigger when you have the PlayStation 4 version. And it's pretty much infinite when you have the PC version. But they're all different. So what is the Switch going to have? I mean, it's kind of around the, the Xbox One. So is the Xbox One version a good indication? Or because it's, you know, the docked and undocked mode of the Switch, when it's in portable mode, will it shrink down the environments? I don't know. I'm just really curious. Uh, second of all, will this have HD rumble? Because in case you don't know, the Nintendo Switch, they have these very special um, rumble features when it comes to the Joy-Cons. Like, it, 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 you know, it can be very light taps, light vibrations to, you know, heavy vibrations. It'd be kind of cool when you're tapping away at a block, just have a little bit of a buzz, and then like a big explosion from a creeper comes in and it's like rumbling really heavy. I don't know, I, I, I think that'd be nice. Uh, third of all, I have to wonder, is this going to have a touch screen controls? Because the mobile version has a pretty darn good uh, touch screen setup. And like I said, Nintendo Switch, they have a touch screen. Will that be available? Uh, fourth, will there be local multiplayer? Because the Switch has two controllers and you can pass along. Maybe will it have split screen? I think these are ways that this version could become huge. And I know it sounds stupid, but Minecraft could become a killer app for the Nintendo Switch. I know. It's released everywhere else, but you have to keep in mind, this is a game that's really popular with kids. They play it on their phone, they play it on computers, they play it on consoles, and they probably own multiple on top of multiple versions. And they have no issue buying it again if they happen to like that device. This could actually be a killer app, especially because, you know, you don't know if this kid owns that phone or owns that tablet or if that's like, you know, mom's office tablet or whatever that they're smearing macaroni and cheese all over while playing Minecraft. Having a, a system of their own that they can just plop down and they can play Minecraft to their heart's delight anywhere they want, you know, in the car or, uh, you know, at school and the teacher's freaking out like, hey, will you please stop playing that? And they're like, no, I can play it on the go. I'm, like, I'm using a Nintendo Switch. Take that, teacher. Uh, and then they can go home and put it on their television. That's really attractive. And it's one of their favorite games already. They already know what they're getting into. And they also get to hang out with Mario instead of Minecraft. Just a thought. I think it'd be a would be actually a pretty big success. Anyway, toot toot. 
Uh, after just over a month on the market, Nintendo has announced their first new batch of hardware accessories for the Nintendo Switch. On June 16th, Nintendo will launch the neon yellow left and right Joy-Cons. These are the first Joy-Con colors not included in a console bundle because the other ones are the uh, red and blue and the uh, the gray ones. I got the gray ones because I'm an adult and I don't want to look like an idiot when I'm walking around, you know, playing with I don't, uh, popsicles or something. It's ridiculous. But the yellow ones do look pretty good. On the same day, the new AA battery pack will be released. This is a battery extender for the Joy-Cons that attach directly to the Joy-Cons and is powered by, you guessed it, two AA batteries. And that's the whole story. Um, but if it wasn't already obvious, Nintendo is going to release more colors of the Joy-Cons. They want to sell you more controllers. Accessories are big money. They still are. Look at GameStop. Accessories still do very, very well. And while I will never buy these yellow Joy-Cons, they look pretty great. They kind of look like Pikachu. And I would not be surprised. I'm just, whoa, I just stepped on something. They might add like a little Pikachu eyeball on each Joy-Con and resell these. I'm willing to bet they will. Just, there's a prediction for ya. The prediction of the week. As for the battery pack, it attaches directly to the back and you use two AA batteries. Wow, what a stupid idea. I have no idea why they made these. I mean, to make money, obviously, but the battery life on the Joy-Cons, just guess. What is the battery life on the Joy-Cons that you would need an extender for? I'm going to give you a couple of options. Is it 5? Is it 10? Is it 15? Or is it 20 hours? Take your guess. The correct answer is 20. 20 goddamn hours. So if you only sleep for 4 hours a night and then just play the Nintendo Switch for 20 hours, you're still in the clear. If you need battery life on your Joy-Cons, which by the way, charge automatically when you plop them on the system, you know, it's not really that complicated to charge this. is isn't like you have to bust out the USB cable. You just put it right on the console. If you need to play for more than 20 hours, you have bigger problems than battery life. Anyway, uh, toot toot. And finally, in Nintendo news, let's wrap up the rest of the Nintendo Direct announcements. We're just going to run through all of these. On May 19th, more standalone Nintendo Switch docks will be available. May more Nintendo Switch standalone docks will be available on the Nintendo website on May 19th. Uh, some are speculating that these might be improved docks because the original models were scratching the screens, though Nintendo has always insisted that they just simply sold through their original stock. Why would you want an extra dock? Well, let's say you have... I don't know, uh, a television in one place and a television in another, and instead of having to, you know, carry your dock around, you can just walk into one room or the other and just plop your system down. It, it's kind of a cool idea. Uh, Ultra Street Fighter 2 will launch on May 19th. This is an updated port of Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo HD Remix, which was released on the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 in 2008. Real quick, I do want to mention, in this video, they said this is the first update to Street Fighter 2 in 20 years. Uh, no. No, it is not Nintendo. It's been like nine years, because like I said, you have these HD graphics, which were done by Udon, or they were inspired by the Udon comics, that was released on, on the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. It has not been 20 years. I have no idea why they said that. It is fundamentally not true. Uh, also, Sega has confirmed the follow-up to Sonic Generations. Sonic Forces will launch at some point in this holiday season of this year. However, the 2D Sonic classic remix of Sonic games, Sonic Mania, will arrive sometime this summer. Uh, real quick, I hate to butt in again. I just want to make this clear. They mentioned that this is the first 2D Sonic game in over 20 years. Just like Street Fighter. Once again, completely false. I have no idea why they said that. 
there were at least three of them on the Game Boy Advance. I think there were two of them on the DS. 2D Sonic games. Strictly 2D. No 3D elements whatsoever. Uh, they released Sonic 4 on everything. Sonic 4 was available on, on, on phones and everything. It has not been 20 years since there's been a strictly 2D Sonic. That is false. Nintendo, why are you saying this? Why are you making up stuff? You don't need to lie about that. Just say it's a new Sonic game. Just say it's a new Street Fighter game. What is this obsession with 20 years? And, and I believe Sonic 4... Well, we know for a fact that Sonic Advance was released on Nintendo handhelds. So they know about it. It was exclusive to them. Whatever. Uh, a demo for Puyo Puyo Tetris is also now available on the eShop. Uh, Monopoly will be coming to the Switch. Yes, the board game. Sometime this fall. I have no earthly idea why. Samurai Showdown 4 is now available on the Nintendo Switch, and they promise there's going to be more Neo Geo Classics coming soon. Uh, Namco Museum will arrive on the Nintendo Switch this summer, which, of course, is where you can just play classic games like Pac-Man and awesome arcade games. I'd be really curious to see what kind of emulation they're going to use because the original uh, Namco Museums were actually classic games built from the ground up to resemble their arcade versions because uh, they had some sort of issue with emulation back then. And finally, Payday 2 will be available on the Switch sometime this summer. Before you get excited, uh, Payday 2, uh, just Google it. Google what happened on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox 360 version. The people that bought that game are pissed because the developer has just not updated it at all in years. It is uh, pretty shocking uh, all in all. Also worth pointing out, Payday 2 is the first first-person shooter to be announced on the Switch, which is kind of insane for a new console in 2017. This is the first first-person shooter that has been announced on the entire platform. I don't know. It's, I thought that was interesting. Uh, all in all, I will say this was a pretty good uh, Nintendo Direct. Uh, there wasn't much in the way of new and exciting games, but it's nice to see some release dates. I'm still not sold on ARMS. I'm super hyped on Splatoon. Everything else was kind of, eh, meh. It was all right. Anyway, toot toot. Moving on to PlayStation news, Naughty Dog has announced their upcoming standalone DLC for Uncharted 4 called The Lost Legacy will release in North America on August 22nd. Unlike prior entries in the franchise, this time series protagonist Nathan Drake will be absent. Instead, they will have Chloe Frazier and Nadine Ross taking top billing. They, of course, have been in the series uh, all the way since uh, Uncharted 2. At least one of them has. I can never really remember the names of the characters besides Sully. Sully and Nathan. That's, those are the names I remember. Uh, perhaps the most surprising news is the DLC's ambition with Naughty Dog's Arnie Meyer hinting that the story could be as long as 10 hours. The Lost Legacy will launch both digitally and physically for $40. Yes, $40. Almost like a full-price game. Though retail-specific promotions will include free copies of Jack and Dexter 1, 2, and 3 on the PlayStation 4. Those were just recently announced, uh, and they are the PlayStation 2 versions, but you'll get a free copy of the entire collection. Although I don't think you're getting Jack X there, even though Jack X, I believe, is coming to uh, PlayStation 4 as well. But that is only if you buy physical versions, and they have not listed the retailers yet, though hopefully it's going to be like GameStop, Best Buy, Target, people that you can actually reach. Uh, I have to admit, I was totally clueless as to how ambitious this DLC was going to be back when they announced that the PlayStation experience. I mean, they said it was DLC, and I'm like, cool, it's story DLC. You know, maybe two, three hours of gameplay, something like, you know, Last of Us Left Behind. Now they have a retail release, and it might be 10 hours? This doesn't sound like DLC at all. I mean, outside of Red Dead Redemption, Undead Nightmare, which was $10, by the way, when it launched. I believe it was $10. This sounds like an old-school expansion pack. 
This looks like a beefy addition to Uncharted. Uh, not to mention that buying this gets you instant access to the multiplayer, like all of the multiplayer, which has tons of free content in there. You can just play multiplayer now. You don't even have to own Uncharted 4 anymore. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being weird here, but I honestly believe that this is some sort of... Um, some people call this a backdoor pilot. You know when you're watching a, a TV show and they have a very special episode uh, where like, they introduce some new character and it seems like the focus is more on that character than the central cast from the actual television series? They call it a backdoor pilot. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they're trying to do here where they're like, well, we told Nathan Drake's story. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to spoil it at all, but it's like, no, this, th that was a great ending for the Uncharted Nathan Drake story. Where do we go from here? Well, by introducing this DLC... It's not a standalone game, even though it has all these brand new environments. They're saying it has the biggest stage they've ever designed for the series, and it's it's actually going to be on store shelves, and it's giving you access to the DLC, and it, it's priced like a real game. It's just DLC. It's not a full game. But I think they're trying something here. I think they want to test the waters to see if people will be receptive to this, and then, uh, you know, maybe Uncharted becomes about those characters, or maybe Uncharted becomes about a bunch of different characters. Maybe, you know, I mean, nothing's going to replace Nathan Drake. People like Nathan Drake, but... People just also like watching shit explode. And Charred's real good at that. Anyway, toot toot. Uh, last year's Xbox One exclusive Quantum Break might have been coolly received by the critics, but its technical achievements did earn it a nomination at the Visual Effects Society Awards, which is good news because now Remedy Games is ready to bring its engine to PlayStation 4. On their official blog, Remedy stated, quote, Remedy is also working on a project, I'm sorry, a game project codenamed P7. The company's strategy is to release the game on a wider range of platforms, which is why Remedy is developing its Northlight technology also for the PlayStation 4 consoles. Uh, end quote. This would mark the very first time that a Remedy game would be released on a Sony platform since all the way back in 2003 with Max Payne 2. Uh, by the way, if you've never played Max Payne, or I guess, you know, even Alan Wake, you're really missing out. Remedy usually does a fantastic job with third-person action. They really are in a class of their own. That's why you don't see too many other third-person shooters, like strictly third-person shooters. Remedy set the standard, they've kept it up. I mean, I guess outside of uh, Max Payne 3, which was done in-house through Rockstar. Uh, but I say they usually do a good job because Quantum Break was undeniably a misstep. It felt dull. It tried to replace cover-based shooting with these time-traveling trips and, and superpowers, and that just... It didn't work without cover-based shooting and without tighter controls and just like it just felt like it just took something away and didn't put anything to replace it even the time powers themselves it was like well this still feels super dated uh, but hopefully now that they've had enough time that they've read the reviews that they saw what, what what happened they can work on something that plays to their strengths a little bit better and and now that they obviously will not be working with microsoft if they're developing a game for the playstation 4 that means they won't have microsoft's funding which means that they can't spend years upon years upon years working on a game and maybe it'll kind of force them to focus make something a little bit more in line with where the rest of the industry is because when remedy hits when they are on top of their game nobody else can touch them and sadly with quantum break they were a, a step well below what people expect out of third-person shooters. Anyway, toot toot. Sega has announced Yakuza Kiwami, the remake of the 2005 original, will be launched on August 30th for $30. Uh, the remake will include the exact same story from the original, though Sega has emphasized the entire game has been, has been built from the ground up and will include new modes and an additional 30 minutes of cutscenes and features 60 frames per second gameplay. 
that's actually the whole story right there, but uh, I gotta admit, I'm a little bit worried about what they're doing with the Yakuza series right now. Uh, Yakuza 0 was launched back in January. I thought it was a fantastic game, even though I understand that it's probably not for everybody. It, it takes a certain... You want to do... You kind of have to like Japanese stuff. It's a very Japanese-centric game. You have to just be cool with the the way that the game bounces from the absurd to the serious and, and just go with it. And I thought for what it was, Yakuza 0 was fantastic. So it's gaining a little bit of a mo momentum here. People are really starting to get on the Yakuza train, which is great. Um, but late August, yeah, that's usually around when Madden comes out. That's when the fall season really kicks off and, and games get lost in the shuffle. So I think that might be a bit of a mistake. Uh, Yakuza certainly has its fans that will be there on, you know, in August, ready to buy that. They're not even going to bother with Madden. They want to play Yakuza. But this series has potential. And Americans have really opened up their taste over the past couple of years when it comes to video games. So if I was Sega, I would try and give this the best possible window. I would put it maybe late July. Even though people say, oh, whatever, July, no one buys video games in summer. That is so false. I don't know why people even believe that's true. Uh, like, summer games have been hits. Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic, all-time classic. We still talk about it to this day. Even if it didn't have, um, you know, the, the Star Wars brand, I think we'd still talk about it. That was released in, like, what, July? People play games in July. Get away from this huge fall rush Sega get it out in front of everything because if you are someone that has like the summer off if you're like a high school kid and you can get dozens of hours of gameplay and, and a story and it's funny and it, there's lots of fighting and you get that all for 30 bucks I'm sure that high school student is gonna go for it well whatever either way I love Yakuza 1 I played on the PlayStation 2 and I'm super excited to check it out on the PlayStation 4 uh, hopefully they have retained just the spirit of the original which is a little grittier than the uh the sequels, definitely, <laughs> definitely a lot more gritty than, than what you'd see in the later series. Anyway, toot toot. And finally, in Sony news, a PlayStation 3 game is making its triumphant return to the PlayStation 3. That's right. Following the positive reception of last month's Nier Automata, Square Enix has announced intentions to reprint physical copies of 2010's Nier. Yes, the original version of the original game, Nier. Uh, so far, the reprint has only been alluded to be for the European market, uh, all, and it will only be available through the Square Enix online store. No copies are currently available, though interested parties may add it to their wish list. So it's kind of a maybe at this point. They want to do it. I think it's super cool that Square Enix would go to all this trouble to reprint, you know, Blu-rays of PlayStation 3 games. Though, I have to be honest, once again, Nier, I, I've, I've been told, is a great game. I've been told it's a great game. I love Nier Automata. I really do. But I'm not sure anybody wants this. Uh, I've never actually played Nier, like I said, but from what I understand, it's kind of clunky. The reason people liked it was because of the story. But actually sitting there and playing it was like, ugh, this doesn't feel right. And 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 for the for the graphics, I guess they were also pretty pretty muddy and bad. I don't know if anyone wants to really look at that in 2010, which is why Nier Automata was such a success is because they went to Platinum Games, who do a great job of, of visuals, even though I, I actually had some issues with the visuals in the game. But it was undeniable that the gameplay was incredible in Nier Automata. So, going to that, the one that people didn't like in 2010, at least they didn't like the, the gameplay, they liked the story. Going back to that and reprinting it, I don't know. Uh, maybe a bad idea. 
Anyway, toot toot. Moving on to Xbox news. After years of requests, 2012's Black Ops 2 has finally been made backwards compatible on the Xbox One. Uh, since the program was introduced way back in 2015, Black Ops 2 has been far and away the most requested game. And yes, it is now available on the Xbox One. Are you noticing a pattern in these stories? I didn't even realize that I did this, but I put these stories next to each other. Once I put them next to each other, uh, and they all have the same theme of, you know, hey, we're bringing back this game. Isn't that exciting? And the answer is yes. That's super exciting. But as many people have already pointed out, Black Ops 2 is an old game. What's the big deal? Play's fine. What do I care? I'm going to go online. Well, just keep in mind, Activision hasn't updated this game since 2013. And that's a serious problem because in, in the past four years, there are tons of players out there that just sit around trying to find exploits, trying to discover hacks so that they can win every round while being clipped into a wall. So yeah, it's really cool that's available, but when you play that game, it's going to be packed with, with, with hackers and jerks. Same thing happened with Red Dead Redemption. If you played Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption online, just a bunch of hackers. It sucks. You can't go back to it. So if you're going to play Black Ops 2, hopefully you have another, I don't know, 13 friends with you that you can create a room that you guys can just play. Because otherwise, you're going to get screwed over. And, well, I guess at the very least you can report them to Xbox Live. And do so. Because that's a dick move. Anyway, toot toot. Speaking of first-person shooters, shooters, last week's Star Wars Battlefront 2... <sighs> it's hot in this room. I'm just going to come clean with you guys. It is so hot. I don't know why it's so hot in April, but it is. And I'm melting. I am melting right now. But I'm glad you're sticking with me here. <laughs> anyway, the story is, last week, Star Wars Battlefront 2's first trailer hit the internet. Uh, the only problem is that it wasn't supposed to be released. The trailer was leaked on a variety of video sites, much to the chagrin of Electronic Arts. Uh, the trailer gives a brief glimpse into the, the uh, sequel's story and multiplayer. While few details are actually known, it's been confirmed it will include characters and locations from the original trilogy prequel as well as the recently released films. No release date was given, though EA will reveal more uh, in the upcoming EA Play event in June. Uh, we did actually get a little bit more news on this where... I forget who it was, but they hate the mm, tech crunch. I don't know who it was, but they confirmed that you're going to be able to upgrade your character, much like a Call of Duty or a Battlefield. But you'll also be able to upgrade your uh, your X-wing or your Tie Fighter, which is super cool. That's what they said. I'm, I'm not confirming that. That's what I'd heard. Uh, but you already know this game is going to sell amazingly well. It does not matter if this is a good Battlefront game or a shitty Battlefront game, because the people that even bitch about how crappy this Battlefront game is. They still bought the limited edition, they still bought the extra stages, they still played the hell out of it, and they probably even convinced their friends to buy the game while being like, it sucks, it's not as good as the original uh, Battlefronts, but I'm just gonna keep playing it just to prove how crappy it is. You know, and it wasn't a great game, it was a fun game, it wasn't great, but I, I, I think for what it was, Battlefront, uh, based on the timetable, it delivered well enough, because people stuck with that game. Uh, for what it's worth about this trailer, though, it was all done in-game, and it looked fantastic. But I'm curious to see how this game is going to take advantage of the PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One Scorpio. I'm, I'm hopeful they'll do something beyond just 4K, maybe a super sampling 1080p version, uh, enhanced frame rate, uh, maybe um, better textures. I don't know. But if you haven't had a chance, go watch this. It's really pretty. Uh, you do get a chance to see Darth Maul and Yoda fighting, if that's your thing. I'm not a Star Wars guy. I'm just being real. It's not my, it's not my preferred means of entertainment. If you are like 40 years old, I totally understand why you love Star Wars. Growing up, you, that would be like the big thing. That would be the big 
fan thing, that in Star Trek. I get it. I really do. Me personally, though, I grew up around anime, so I don't really need Star Wars. <laughs> I could watch people's heads exploding and, and laser swords whenever I wanted, and it was dope. Anyway, toot toot. Speaking of 4K, last week Sega finally released the 2010 beat-em-up Bayonetta on PC. While the game's content is identical to the console version, the port includes a variety of visual enhancements including 4K support as well as HDR, which is nice. More colors. According to the test done by Digital Foundry, we were talking about them earlier, the game easily hit 60 frames per second at 4K with a 970Ti graphics card, uh, and this was all at 60 frames per second. While, um... They used an older bit of hardware, I forget what it was, it was something from AMD from 2012, that also hit 60 frames per second with only slight, slight, slight dips uh, at 1080p, which is pretty cool. You know, last week we were talking about the countdown uh, teaser to something that was related to Bayonetta because they had that website, and it was super cool. I, I was really excited to be like, alright, what are they going to talk about? And I'm happy that PC users are getting a chance to play a really good game in Bayonetta, uh, which is my personal opinion, a good game. Not a great game. Bayonetta 2, on the other hand, is one of the best games I have ever played. I love Bayonetta 2. Still, I hope this means the franchise will gain some popularity and that maybe Bayonetta 2 will somehow be released outside of a Nintendo ecosystem. Probably not because they funded the entire thing, but at the very least, maybe Bayonetta 2 will be released on the Switch. And maybe, just maybe, if it gets really popular, Bayonetta 3. Make my dreams come true, fly me to the moon. Seriously, if you have a Wii U and you don't have Bayonetta 2, even if you're like, oh, I want this special edition, who cares? Just play Bayonetta 2, it's so good. Such a good game, amazing game. I talked about it last week if you wanna hear me fanboy out just a little bit more. Anyway, toot toot. And finally in the hype train, Fallout 4 VR will debut later this June at E3, but AMD's Roy Taylor is already promising a revolutionary experience, calling it, quote, and this is really what he said, the Mario, the Sonic the Hedgehog. It will change the way we think about VR. It will be an industry changer, end quote. Uh, this follows Bethesda's Pete Hines calling Fallout 4 VR, quote, the most incredible thing you've ever seen in your life, End quote. They are really overhyping this. I would say they are dangerously overhyping this, and it had better live up to their promises. Because if it does not blow everyone away, this is going to follow them. This is going to follow the dude from AMD. This is going to follow Pete Hines for the rest of their careers. Seriously, people will not leave this alone. Look at what happened to Peter Molyneux when he made all those promises about Fable 1. That game came out in 2004. The game came out in 2004, and people are still giving him shit, and that was a good game. That was a good game! Now, everything he announces, people are skeptical of. He has a bad reputation, even though I think he's a great game creator. Don't go out of your way to hype up all of this VR stuff, saying it's gonna be the most amazing experience of your life, calling it the Mario and the Sonic of VR? Chill! Let the game speak for itself. We'll find out about it at E3. I hope it delivers. And toot toot, let's talk about the games that are going to be coming out this week. On Tuesday, Full Throttle Remastered will be available on the PC and PlayStation 4. Uh, Voodoo Vince Remastered will be available on the Xbox One and PC. Wonder Boy the, da the Dragon Trap will be available on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. Shyness The Lightning Kingdom will be available on the PlayStation 4 and PC. Flint Hook will be available on the PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Marvel's The Guardians of the Galaxy Episode 1 Tangled Up in Blue will be available on damn near everything. If you have a screen, it'll probably play Guardians of the Galaxy, a Telltale game. Uh, Demo, The Last Reticle will be available on the 
PlayStation Vita. How often do we get to say Vita in this segment? Uh, at the Disney Afternoon Collection. We'll be available on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, so you can play your Chippendales and Duckwing Ducks. It looks awesome. And then on Friday, uh, City Skylands will be available on the Xbox One. Now... I want to bring up one more game. On Tuesday, the Silver Case is going to be on the PlayStation 4. For some reason, it isn't listed anywhere, but I have confirmation I'm getting my copy on Tuesday. Uh, that is a game, that is the first game by Suda51. That's the first game he really directed outside of Fire Pro Wrestling. I'm super pumped. I'm going to be doing an episode of Worth It. And speaking of which, there's going to be, uh, Worth It will be around this week. It's been a pretty crazy schedule, but trust me, there will be an episode out this week. So look forward to that. <laughs> Beep, beep. That's going to do it for the hype train. Right on into the night, you crazy hype train. We'll see you next week. Man, like I said, it is muggy. It's muggy in here. I need to get outside for a bit. Get some fresh air. Ah, That's a little bit better. Wait, I know a place that's always warm with the glow of cold, hard cash. That's right. It's time for the chart park. The land where money grows on trees. Yes, the chart park. This is the part of the show we talk about the legal, business, and financial news in the video game industry. And we find out which fat cats of Wall Street will dip their tuppets towards Lady Luck. Uh, we are going to be starting off with some Nintendo news because they had a hell of a march. By all accounts, the brand new Nintendo Switch console is off to a fantastic start. According to the research group Superdata, the Switch sold somewhere in the range of 2.4 million units during the first month. This has caused Superdata to actually readjust their annual predictions from 5 million to 7.2 million by the end of the year. Likewise, the NPD group has also confirmed that the Switch sold 906,000 units in the North American territory alone during the month of March. Uh, more perplexing is The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild sold 925,000 copies, so basically 19,000 copies more than the actual console itself. I'm going to say that those are probably scalpers. I'm going to assume those are probably scalpers. You absolute bastards. But this does put the attach rate over 100%. In case you don't know, attach rate is a game to a console ratio. It's over 100%. For some reason, th the Switch is super weird. Uh, actually, the Wii U version saw similar success with 460,000 copies in March. Last month, reports surfaced that Nintendo has doubled its console production from six uh, from oh, 8 million to 16 million units, uh, which they're hoping to sell many of those before the end of the year. Anyway, everybody looked at this news. I'm not going to say everybody, but everybody looked at this news and said, whoa, Nintendo has turned it around. The Switch was one thing. I mean, the Wii U was one thing, but the Switch, it's going to be incredible. It's going to be, it's going to do it. It's going to be, it's going to be a hit. Congratulations, Nintendo. And you know what? Congratulations, Nintendo. You had a fantastic March. You had a great March. And before I go any further, I do want to say that the Switch is a really interesting device. It had an excellent launch title in Zelda. I like the Switch. I like the Joy-Cons. I like playing on the Switch. It's a fun system. But I think it's a mistake to assume that this is going to be the new normal or that the Switch is going to be the biggest success in the world. But to understand this, we need to look back once again to our most recent console launches, which were back in 2013. We're not going to count the PlayStation 4 Pro because that's a mid-cycle launch. We're going to talk about the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One when they launched in 2013. Uh, and from the numbers I was able to pull up, uh, two weeks into the PlayStation 4's life cycle, it sold around 2.1 million units. 2.1 million units, okay? So the Nintendo Switch is at 2.4, it had four weeks on sale, and in two weeks, the PlayStation 4 had 2.1 million. 
Okay? Pretty close. Pretty close, right? Well, let's talk about the Xbox One. Three weeks after its launch, so not a full month, but three weeks, it had sold two million units. Now, this is the holiday season, obviously, but, you know, they, they were going to sell these regardless. That's what I personally believe. But if you look back, 2.1 million in two weeks, 2 million in three weeks, by all evidence, you would be right to assume that the Xbox One and PlayStation 4 are going to be neck and neck for a while. They're going to have a close competition. Let's look at what happened 12 months later. The Xbox One was at 3 million in sales, while the PlayStation 4 was at 4.2 million in sales. Well, son of a bitch. Son of a fucking bitch. Son of a fuck. What happened? People over in Xbox, they're pulling their hair out. What, we were only down by 100,000. Now we're down by 1.2 million? That's fucked up. I don't understand. And now look at it, three and a half years later, 53.4 million units for the PlayStation 4. And the Xbox One has somewhere in the range of 20 million. They don't even release numbers anymore. What the hell? The point is you shouldn't base expectations by the first month. So it would be a mistake to look at the Nintendo Switch's 2.4 and think, oh man, it's gonna be as big as the PlayStation 4. Well, I don't know about that. Maybe they could hit 7 million units by the end of the year. That's my prediction. Maybe, 7 million, maybe. Uh, but the question remains, even then, even if they have an amazing 2017, will that momentum continue? You know, I mean, maybe the gimmick of a portable home console is really exciting. I think it's super cool. But I think the only real way this system is going to blow up is through a major Pokemon title. There's that rumor of Pokemon Stars. I think that could move a lot of units. It could be, it could be an evergreen title that people could attach to. And further third-party support, which Nintendo has a history of having trouble with. Now, don't get me wrong, Mario is great. Zelda is great. Splatoon, I love it. But Nintendo cannot do this on their own. Sony certainly did not move all of those consoles through their exclusives. Look at the first two years of the PlayStation 4. What are the must-own exclusives on that system? Bloodborne. Ugh. I mean, what, The Order 1886? I love that game. Most people didn't. Um... Drive Club? Who likes Drive Club? Exclusives don't always just sell the console. Now, they're doing that right now for the Switch, and congratulations. But personally, right now, when I'm looking at this system, without that third-party support, I would say in a few years, they hit 30 million. 30 million. And it, and it kind of stays somewhere in the range of that. And I could be wrong. I could be absolutely wrong. And that's fine. I'll admit it, if I am. But I don't think it's safe to look at 30 days of sales data and predict 50 million units. There's no way you're going to know that because people like the new hotness. They like the new consoles, but things slow down and they need more incentive to purchase a device like that. It needs to have the real features, the more the real titles that they want. Right now, the Xbox One is at 20 million. PlayStation 4 is at 53 million. What happened? Well, Somebody just took a lead. Momentum was lost. And that could happen to the Switch, too. If I'm wrong, so be it. But don't get so excited. Anyway, moving on. Taking a cue from smartphone manufacturers, Nintendo is offering financial rewards for potential exploits on their hardware. The company is looking for information regarding piracy, cheating, and system vulnerabilities on the Switch and 3DS. Reported hacks will result in a reward up to... $20,000. Yes, really, $20,000. The more extreme the exploit, the higher the cash value. And that's really the whole story right there. And I've got to say, Nintendo, good for you. You're starting to sound like a 21st century company. This is what Apple does. This is what uh, uh, Google does with Android. This is a very smart move on their part. Nintendo has had an inexcusable amount of hacks for their major systems over the past 10 years. I mean, you know the Wii, the Nintendo Wii? 
Guess how long it takes to crack that system? Like, even if you don't know what you're doing, if you have a USB drive, meh, takes about 30 minutes. You just crank the system wide open. Put emulators on there. Put pirated games on there. 30 minutes. It's no time at all. Even even the 3DS, which has been their 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 main focus for years, because the Wii U wasn't do doing well. The 3DS for years, it's super easy to crack. Like every time they would put out a new demo or they would update the YouTube app or whatever it is, people just were cranking their 3DSs left and right. It's been that way for years. It's inexcusable. And for whatever reason, Nintendo does not invest nearly as much money in, in security as Sony and Microsoft, even though more so than them, they are a hardware company. They absolutely are. They need that hardware. They need their games to be protected. You know, if um, someone is pirating Sony games and, 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 and Microsoft games, does that hurt them? Absolutely. It absolutely does. 100%. But when it's a Nintendo console and you make money off of those games because you developed the majority of the successful titles, oh man, it's way worse. So this is a good first step. Uh, but I'm still willing to bet by the end of the year, the whole system of the Nintendo Switch gets turned inside out. How about instead of just throwing 20,000 here or there, you hire some people <laughs> like like Sony and Microsoft does. Why not both? Why not have that exploit program and really step up what you're doing there? Because hackers are going to hack. <laughs> they will. They always do. You need better protection. That's what you need. It can't just come from outside sources being like, hey, by the way, there's a problem here. $20,000. Great. Hire the dude for an annual income of $75,000. you will get a lot more done if it's a, you know, really professional, good hacker. I don't know. Moving on. Speaking of borrowed ideas, Microsoft has revised their end-user agreement on digital purchases. Last week, the company announced a new refund system for their Windows Store on Xbox One and Windows 10 PCs. Once a game is downloaded, so if you buy a digital game, it is eligible for a full refund, so long as it is requested within 14 days and the game has been played less, for two, less than two hours across all accounts. So if you have multiple accounts on the system, you can't just jump over to the other one when you hit that two-hour time limit and still expect a refund. Uh, Microsoft has also noted that this is not available for DLC or season passes, so don't expect that. Uh, Steam has been doing this for well, you know, a few years now, now, maybe a couple of years, though I think the process on Steam is you actually need to contact customer support. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I, I can't really remember. I think EA has a similar program with uh, Origin. Um, but for consoles, no one else is doing this, so this is a major win for Xbox. This is a great way of ensuring a good relationship between the company and its users. And I would hope Microsoft, um, not Microsoft, but I'd hope Sony would take advantage of this and try to do this as well. Because think about this, last year, when they released No Man's Sky, people played it for an hour and said, this game is shit, I hate this, I wish I could, re you know, return it. Do you think it would have been nearly as big of a scandal? Do you think people would have been that angry if they could have just returned it like Microsoft is doing? And this is like an automatic thing. You just submit. You played it for an hour, you submit. You play it for an hour, you submit. You're good. I mean, maybe they have limitations like you cannot return like 10 games in a week or something like that. But if Sony had that feature when No Man's Sky came out, I feel like the conversation would be so different. I don't think people would still be banging on about, I don't like No Man's Sky. Actually, I was talking to some people last week about, that didn't like No Man's Sky and I, res I respect that opinion. I don't respect the um, the crybabies on the internet, though, that they still won't let it go, and they're still banging on about it. So if you don't like No Man's Sky, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people that just... 
They just, uh, they just, they're looking for something to complain about. Uh, but the real story here, I think, is actually Microsoft's push to digital distribution. There have been rumors for years that they want to get out of physical games. They don't want to do physical games at all. Uh, and honestly, that was the central idea around the original Xbox One. It was going to be a DRM system. Remember, everybody freaked out about that because you can't loan games and blah, 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 blah. Well, now that we know the Scorpio is coming out soon, maybe this is that second try at that. Now, I'm not saying they're not going to have a disc drive. We know the Scorpio is going to have a disc drive because it will have an Ultra HD Blu-ray player. That's one of its selling points is that you can play your 4K Blu-rays directly on the system. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe uh, there's an Xbox One Scorpio, maybe a cheaper model. Maybe they have two different flavors like they did with the original 360. Uh, that it's like, well, here's one without a disc drive and here's one with a disc drive. I don't think anyone would be really that mad about it because it's speaking to two entirely different audiences. Uh, you know, forget about used games. You know, people say, oh, no, I want the disc drive because I want I want used games because they're cheaper. Well, who cares anymore? You could buy a game on sale, play it for an hour, realize this is awful, and then just return the whole thing. Instead of, you know, selling back a used game and getting a percentage back, you get the whole thing back. Hopefully, Sony will take note of this and... Uh, <laughs> Maybe Nintendo will too. I don't know. I wouldn't bet on that one. Anyway, moving on. Er, uh, in more licensing news, earlier this week, Sony announced the car brand Porsche would be a featured brand in the upcoming Gran Turismo Sport. Now, Microsoft has made a similar announcement regarding their Forza franchise with the Porsche Car Pack released on Forza Horizon 3. Uh, this follows the end of a 16-year partnership between Porsche and Electronic Arts dating all the way back to 2001. I gotta say, I was reading this story and I was like, eh, this doesn't really matter. This doesn't really matter. Whatever. Cars. Great. Cars are gonna be in the racing game. Who gives a fuck? But wait! We're talking about a licensing deal between Electronic Arts and a uh, third party to have sole ownership over something. I mean, let's talk about Porsche for a second. I know that the Porsche brand exists, you know? It's a, it's a car company, but I've been playing racing games, plenty of racing games. I love Forza Horizon 3. I was playing the crap out of it. And Porsche is just a brand I haven't thought about in years because the I don't. When am I going to drive a Porsche? When am I going to When am I going to buy a Porsche? When is it ever going to happen? Never. But if I'm playing a racing game, I, I definitely become more aware of their brand. Their brand uh, elevates their prestige. If I see it in a game, because that's the only opportunity I'm exposed to it. So now that they've stepped away from Electronic Arts. It's in Gran Turismo. More people are aware of it. It's going to be over in um, uh, Forza Horizon and presumably more uh, Forza games. People are going to be more aware of it. So I was thinking, uh, you know, Electronic Arts and uh, exclusive deals on brands. Um, hey, uh, uh, National Football League. <laughs> I know that you still get the best ratings in the world, but you're kind of losing the younger audience. Look at the demographics. They're too busy doing other things, including playing video games. All oh, those goddamn video games. If only there was a way to reach them. Well, I guess maybe they could buy Madden, but Madden has been, you know, it's good, but it's it's kind of the same thing over and over again, and they're not as good or as, or as varied as they used to. I mean, it still does well, but not nearly as well, and younger kids, they don't really care about Madden. What if, uh, you know, what if you give 2K a shot? Let bring back NFL 2K. Hey, maybe Activision, maybe Sony, maybe even Microsoft, maybe everybody, maybe don't just give it to EA. How about we get some weird games with laser guns and, and lightning and robots, weird NFL licensed games like that? Why not? Why not return the football game to its former glory? I don't watch sports. I know, real shocker right there. But I played the shit out of so many NFL games. I played the shit out of NFL Blitz and the earlier Maddens and even Game Day and um, 
ah, man, I, I can't remember the name of the Microsoft exclusive one, but bring it back to that era where there's more creativity and more problem solving in, in, in making football exciting when it comes to video games. And I actually did a bit of a Google search here, and back in 2004, the NFL stated that the license was going to be solely owned by Electronic Arts for a couple of more years. Well, shit. I think it probably just expired then. Hopefully, hopefully, you've realized that just tying it down to one company's success doesn't make any sense. And no matter what EA is paying you, you'll make more from everyone else licensing the NFL. I guarantee it, because plenty of companies want in on that. Hopefully, they haven't signed with EA again. Hopefully not. Crossing my fingers. Let's go back to the Nintendo news. I wanted to give you a bit of a Nintendo break because, yes, they, they sort of dominated the news cycle this week. Uh, one of the hottest holiday gifts last year was the difficult-to-find NES Classic, a plug-and-play console that included 30 classic NES games in HD, as well as a replica NES controller. Despite the ensuing popularity and demand, Nintendo has abruptly announced its discontinuation. Quote, and this comes from Nintendo itself. Uh, throughout April, Nintendo of America territories will receive the last shipments of the Nintendo Entertainment uh, System NES Classic Edition. That, that's a clumsy way to phrase that. Uh, we encourage... Oh, yeah, wait, wait, wait. They will receive the Nintendo NES Classic Edition systems for this year. That's really important. For this year. We encourage anyone interested in obtaining the system to check with retail outlets regarding availability with the understanding that has been difficult for many consumers to find a system and we apologize. We have paid close attention to consumer feedback and we greatly appreciate the incredible level of consumer interest and support for this product and quote. Uh, Nintendo also ended production on the Japanese exclusive Famicom Mini. Earlier this year, Nintendo announced that they had sold 1.5 million NES classics and production would begin to ramp up. So, last year, in August, I did an episode that was called uh, The NES Classic Will Outsell the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And everybody mocked it. And they were right to, because I was completely wrong. But I still stand behind the idea that if supply had been there, it would have been a slam dunk. They would have outsold everybody. Everybody would have a goddamn NES Classic. It would be like the Wii all over again. Sadly, they did not meet that demand. And now they've completely pulled the plug. What a bunch of dummies! Did you see that on Facebook? What a bunch of dummies! Nintendo, we throwing money away for Nintendo, what are you doing? That's all I'm reading, all these people going, Nintendo, you're stupid! I don't think Nintendo's stupid in this case, though, because the NES Classic was stupid. It was garbage. No, I'm kidding, that's not where I'm going with this. <laughs> I wanted to give you a bit of a swerve. I don't think they're giving up on the NES Classic. I think they are giving up on the 2016 model of the NES Classic, because keep in mind, it had a number of third-party games in there. There was Mega Man, there was uh, Super C, uh, you know, Konami and Capcom games. Maybe those contracts were only around for six months to keep the cost of the system down, right? I mean, clearly they did not expect this demand. Why would they think anyone would care in six months? You don't know. You don't know. They were like, okay, we'll allow you to produce three million of these units, and then you can't use our games anymore. Why not? Maybe that's how it was. Uh, let me make another prediction, and I might be completely wrong about this, but I'm willing to bet that this fall, we'll see another NES Classic with another 30 games. Now, a lot of the games I think are going to stay the same. You're going to see your Marios, you're going to see your Zeldas, but maybe, you know, we don't see Mega Man in there. Instead, we see Wrecking Crew, which is a Nintendo game, or Urban Champion. It keeps the cost down while the demand is still high. That is my estimate. That is my guess. If you read that statement, they say, we're done with the shipments for this year. You know, we're done. We don't have it. We're done. Well, yeah, maybe for that version. 
There might be another version. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, it'll be Super Nintendo next time. I don't think so. I don't think they're going to go down that that uh, that avenue just yet. Because the NES one is still going to do gangbusters. They already have the model. They already have the production units. They just swamp out the game. Super easy. Why not? So yeah, that's my guess. They are going to go back and revise the system. It's not stupid Nintendo. It's smart Nintendo. For once. <laughs> for once. Anyway, uh, the director behind Far Cry 4 and Assassin's Creed 2 has left Ubisoft after seven years with the company. Alex Hutchinson announced his departure, and according to his LinkedIn profile, Hutchinson recently opened Typhoon Studios, though no projects are currently listed for the company. Uh, prior to joining Ubisoft, Hutchinson was the lead designer for the PC title Spore from EA, which is another one of those Molyneux-type games, even though that was Will Wright. Uh, the Sims 2, which actually is a Will Wright game. Not a Will Wright. Ooh, I'm getting his name confused with someone else. No, it's Will Wright. It is Will Wright. Uh, and he was also the creative director on Army of Two, The 40th Day. That's really the whole story. Best of luck to him. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Typhoon does next, because people really liked uh, Far Cry 4. And um, Assassin's Creed 3, in some ways, was the most ambitious to date. So, him going out on his own... Actually, that's kind of the theme. All of his games are really ambitious. Sims 2 actually uh, did a lot with the Sims uh, franchise, and, and then look what happened with, uh, you know, Spore. That was that was very ambitious. So, good luck, Hutchinson. I'm excited to see what you're going to do next. Probably won't hear anything for the next uh, couple of years, though. Anyway, let's go on over to the chart park. Let's talk about what games are going to be... Uh, no, what games sold the best in the top 10 best-selling games in the UK. Uh, number 10 was Overwatch, no surprise. Uh, but that game, I, I gotta admit, it's it's coming up on its uh, one-year anniversary. Overwatch is still in the top 10. And wasn't that released kind of towards summer? Hmm. 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 Maybe you can sell games in summer. Hmm. 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 Uh, number nine was Call of Duty Infinite Warfare, uh, because of course Call of Duty is still doing very well. Number eight was Lego City Undercover across all systems, because that was released on the Xbox One, uh, Switch, and PlayStation 4. So kind of low, actually, if you think about it. Uh, number seven was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Not bad for only being available on two consoles, one of which barely exists in the UK. I'm talking about the Wii U there. Uh, number six was FIFA 17. I have a theory uh, that the uh, those UK people, I think they like, uh, you know, what do you call it there? They like the football. They like the sucker. That's my guess. Uh, number five is Mass Effect Andromeda, which is a pretty steep fall from last week's number one spot, now down to number five. Uh, I'm going to assume that that's going to continue to plummet due to the icy reception. Number four was Grand Theft Auto V, because we will all die with Grand Theft Auto V still being on the charts. Our, our grandchildren will use their hovercrafts to go pick up brand new consoles to play <laughs> Grand Theft Auto V in hologram form. Uh, number three was LEGO Worlds. So hey, two LEGO games on the chart. Kind of a mistake, now that I say it out loud. Why release two LEGO games at once? Space them out a bit more, you dummies. Uh, number two was Ghost Recon Wildlands. And number one was Persona 5. Persona 5 is killing it. Hopefully we'll see that game on the NPDs um, when in, uh, we get those numbers for North America. Now let's go over to the cursed land of trains known as Japan to find out where the best-selling games over there. Uh, number 10 on the Wii U was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Number 9 was Nier Automata on the PlayStation 4. Number 8 was Pokemon Sun slash Moon. They combined both of those games on the 3DS. Number 7 was Ghost Recon Wildlands on the PlayStation 4. I have no idea why Japan is obsessed with Ghost Recon Wildlands. I assume it's like those guys in Japan that love airsoft guns. I don't know. Number six on the PlayStation 4 was Warriors All-Stars, which is the uh, mashup of all the different uh, uh, Warriors series into a single game. Number five was Lego Worlds on the PlayStation 4. Eh, you know, 
Lego doing all right across the globe, doing okay in Japan. Number four was one two switch because Japan has no taste. Uh, number three was Mario Sports Superstars on a 3DS, which I've heard is not good. But if you want to buy it, I guess go for it. If you have to see Mario and a basketball together, it's the one way to do it. Number two was The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Switch because of course it is. It's an incredibly popular franchise. And number one, just give a guess. Starts with an M, ends with an ER. Or actually, it ends with an X. It's Monster Hunter XX on the 3DS. Uh, so far, it has sold over 1.3 million copies in Japan, which is really impressive. Now let's talk about where the best-selling consoles over in Japan. Uh, starting off with the Nintendo Switch with 41,193. New 3DS LL with 19,533. PlayStation 4 with 18,022. PlayStation 4 Pro, PlayStation 4 Pro with 6,490. Uh, PlayStation Vita with 5,987. 2DS with 4,629. New 3DS with 1,523. PlayStation 3 with 704. Uh, Wii U with 358. And in last place, I didn't write down the exact number, but I believe this is for the seventh week in a row. It's the Xbox One with 132. Keep trying, Microsoft. Never give up. Never give up. And that's going to do it for the chart park. The land where money grows on trees. We've talked about the big money. Now it's time to talk about the smaller things. That's where it's time to get tiny. It's time for Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk. In an unprecedented move, Square Enix has announced an unusual bundle for their upcoming JRPG, Dragon Quest XI. The $135 Double Pack Hero Sword Box includes not only the 3DS version, but also the PlayStation 4 game. This marks the first major title to include both physical versions from two competing hardware manufacturers and platform holders. This is one of the strangest stories I've seen in recent memory, and I have no idea who approved this outside of Square Enix. I don't know if they had to get approval, because I don't think Nintendo was very happy, and I don't think Sony's very happy, because they're basically saying, well, Nintendo, they've just got the 3DS, right? They don't have a home console like the Switch. And Sony, why don't you have a handheld like, I don't know, something like the Vita? Nope. We're not going to acknowledge either of them exist. It's the 3DS and the PlayStation 4, which makes sense because in Japan, they sell way more than either of those other two systems. Although there is a Switch version coming out, so it seems kind of weird that they would do this. Now, I wouldn't expect that this is going to happen in the West. This is probably a Japan-only thing, but if it does, holy shit, I have to buy that. I just have to have a box that has Nintendo and Sony next to each other. Uh, speaking of which, and I didn't, I wasn't going to bring this up, this sounds like a humble brag, but if you follow me on Twitter, at Dr. Cryochop, you'll be able to see that I recently came into contact with the Nintendo PlayStation, the original PlayStation that was being developed by Sony and Nintendo. I held the system in my hands. I held the controller and used it. I held a cartridge in my hand. I have photos to prove it. It was a very cool opportunity. Uh, thanks to my friends at Portables of Doom uh, that were doing the Ben Heck experience. And, and Ben Heck was there as well, who is a really, really kind of scary, smart guy. <laughs> he knows a lot about technical stuff, which is why he had the, the, the Nintendo PlayStation. I talked to the guy that found it. And it was just a very surreal experience. So that was the last time you saw Sony and Nintendo uh, on the same platform right there. Well, now you get another chance with this $135 double pack. Um, but yes, that's kind of unrelated. But that's going to have to do it for Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk, Pocket Talk. Let's take the mushroom. Delicious mushrooms. Mushrooms make me feel good. Make me feel like I'm, you know, I just want to go outside. 
just want to go outside, you know? You know, if you're going to take the mushroom, don't be inside, be outside. It's just like, ah, you know, like you can feel the wind. You can feel like the wind is blowing like an essence, like an essence of nature. Like it sounds stupid, I know, but it just feels so good to be outside, man. Like, wow. And it's it's crazy. Outside is like always available and we never go. We never go. Okay, enough of this. We are going to our final segment for the show where we take a look back at the week that was 10 years ago and beyond to talk all about the fantastic anniversaries in video games and a little something we like to call Strong History. 10 years ago. Yes, 10 years ago. On the PlayStation 2, Shin Megami Tensei Persona FES was released in Japan. You might be saying, whoa, Persona uh, 3 is only, um, you know, 10 years old? Not quite. I think Persona 3 is actually like 12 years old, somewhere around there. FES is like an improved version with animated cutscenes. Uh, I'm actually not going to step into that. There's a, there's a lot of debate over what is the ultimate version of Persona 3. Some people say it's the one that's on uh, the PSP. Some say it's the original. Some people say it's FES. I'm not getting in the middle of that, but FES 10 years ago in Japan. 11 years ago in 2006, a Brain Age, Train Your Brain in Minutes a Day, was released on the DS. This was a huge game. Uh, over in Japan, it actually has a doctor, a real-life doctor that's associated with the game. Uh, if you played it, you probably saw him. He, he has the polygon face and he has the glasses. Some people think it's Iwata. I don't know why they thought it was Iwata, but no, it's actually this doctor guy. This is the game that really introduced casual games to everyone uh, because Brain Age was a humongous hit. You had people that were in their 30s, 40s, 50s that didn't really play video games picking up a DS just to play this game. It was a huge deal and one of the reasons that the Wii was a huge success when they had things like Wii Fit. They're like, oh well, this trains my brain, this trains my body. I love Nintendo. Also 11 years ago on the Xbox 360, Final Fantasy XI was released. This would mark the first time a Final Fantasy game would appear on a Microsoft uh, platform. Microsoft console, I should say. I believe, yeah, there were PC versions of the other games, which are technically Windows, but you know what I mean. Also 11 years ago, a very sad, sad anniversary, Mother 3 was released in Japan. Why is that sad? Because we still haven't gotten our version of Mother 3. Good fan translations out there, though, so keep your eyes peeled. They're very easy to find. Also 11 years ago, Rape Lay was released on the PC. Yes, Rape Lay. Uh, this is a game that centers around male characters. This is directly from Wikipedia. This game centers around male character who stalks and rapes a mother and her two daughters. You sick fucks, Japan. Why did you even make that? Okay, I shouldn't blame all of Japan, but that was a weird goddamn game. And I believe it actually got banned, if I'm not mistaken. And rightfully so. 12 years ago, on the original Xbox, Psychonauts was launched, which is funny because Psychonauts was originally a first-party Microsoft game. Microsoft pulled the plug, said, nah, this isn't going to do any business. And I believe it was, uh, whoa, come on. I know the name of the company. I know the name of the fucking company. What the fuck is the name of the company? Um, I can't remember the name of them. Ben Presto? I don't know. But that was 12 years ago on the Xbox. 13 years ago, uh, Hitman Contracts was launched on the PC, uh, Xbox, and uh, PlayStation 4. Majesco! It was Majesco that did uh, Psychonauts. I had to think about it. But Hitman Contracts, third game in the series. I would say probably my least favorite, but uh, still pretty cool. Also, 13 years ago, 
VIS Entertainment Limited uh, officially shut down. All the development that they were working on was canceled, and they sold off all of their games to other publishers, including the game that I always like to bring up, State of Emergency 2, because no one remembers that game existed. It was very close to being done, too, so very sad for uh, for VIS, V-I-S. Uh, 18 years ago, 3 Extreme was launched on the PlayStation. This is the third game in the Extreme series, which launched as ESPN Extreme Sports. Kind of a, a hybrid between... Um, Extreme Sports and... I mean, it really was just Road Rash. They even had, like, the digitized characters, like the 3DO version uh, of Road Rash, where you'd punch people off of luges, off of rollerblades, off of bicycles. Uh, it was a, a silly game, but I love the original game. The sequels, I thought, were kind of garbage. Uh, 23 years ago, on the Super Nintendo, Super Metroid was launched, one of the all-time greatest games of all time. Uh, it holds up very well to this day because Super Metroid is a Metroidvania. You go around a territory and you discover an item that will help you gain access to new environments. The atmosphere, the music, the wonderful ending, it's all fantastic. And now it's, it basically has a new lease on life because speedrunners love it. Save the animals, kill the animals. If you don't know what that means, you need to play some Super Metroid. Also, 23 years ago, Shin Megami Tensei 2 was launched on the SNES. No, this has nothing to do with Persona, uh, but this is the Shin Megami sen uh, series that Atlas uh, created and was very, very popular. In fact, in case you don't know, it, Persona is just called Persona in Japan. Uh, they were worried that people wouldn't know what Persona was in America, so they attached Shin Megami Tensei, a mildly popular series, uh, to that name. That sounds less uh, accessible to Americans than Persona, if you ask me. Uh, 27 years ago, uh, Fantasy Star 3 Generations of Doom. Chris, in case you're listening, I know you like your Fantasy Star. I think you might have told me that was your favorite one. So I put that on the list there for you. 28 years ago, in Japan, the Game Boy was launched. Yes, Gunpei Yonkoi's incredible, plucky handheld that really changed the landscape of video games. You know... There's nothing you can really say about uh, the original Game Boy. Like, there's no way I could cover all of this, except to say that the reason the Game Boy was a success, uh, especially with its launch title, uh, Super Mario Land, which is also 28 years old, is because they understood there's a difference between sitting there and playing on your little handheld and playing on a big old television. They understood that you need to make smaller experiences. It's not that the screen is just smaller. You need to you need to create quick hit experiences, which is why you see certain things like the Vita, which tried to launch with an Uncharted game, you know, a console-style game. It didn't really work out that well because there's a separation between quick hit and at-home long playing. And, uh, you know, hopefully Nintendo takes note of that when they're designing games for Nintendo Switch. You're going to want that variety. 30 years ago in Japan, Renegade was launched on the Famicom. This was an arcade game. I, I take that back. It wasn't called Renegade in Japan. It was called Hot-Blooded Tough Guy Kunio. If you're like, Kunio, that sounds familiar. That's because uh, Renegade, as it's known in America, was basically the first beat-em-up. And this allowed uh, Technos to create a variety of different games. Uh, they, they, they basically took Renegade and they, and they split it in two different factions. They had games that were Double Dragon. They made Double Dragon based off of Renegade. And then they had funny games that were more about high school students, which were also based off of Renegade because this was about a high school student fighting people. They made things like River City Ransom. So if you like beat-em-ups at all, you have to give credit to, uh, to Renegade. It doesn't hold up worth a damn. You can beat it in 28 minutes. The AI is cheap as hell, but hey, historically, very important. Uh, also, 30 years ago on the NES, Rygar was launched. I kind of miss Rygar. They haven't released one since the PlayStation 2. I'd like to see another one. It's basically like a Roman-themed game, kind of like God of War, in a way. 
31 years ago in Japan, The Legend of Cage was released, or Kage. I say Kage, some people say Cage. It's that cool game where you can zip around by shooting your line in the air. Kind of like a Spider-Man game on the NES, but uh, you were a ninja, which makes it cooler. I think we could say that. 33 years ago in Japan, Duck Hunt was launched on the Famicom. Super cool game. Uh, Duck Hunt, I know maybe it doesn't <laughs> hold up to many people, but the, the, that game, for what it is, just a light gun game, it's incredibly charming. And a lot of people don't realize that Duck Hunt didn't just start off uh, in the NES. There was actually a toy version of Duck Hunt that was made by Gunpei Yunkoi that, um, you know, you would, it would use a projector that was on your wall and you would shoot it. You would shoot the ducks on the wall. It was very technically advanced. And even before then, uh, Nintendo purchased a bunch of bowling alleys in the early 80s to create these light gun uh, environments that uh, would, would influence Duck Hunt. Uh, it was one of their earliest uh, earliest ideas. Of course, when uh, the economy bottomed out right around then because of the uh, gas crisis, that forced them to have to abandon all of that work and go into a different environment, maybe one that they weren't weren't totally familiar with, video games. So yeah, Duck Hunt, overall incredibly important. 35 years ago, back in 1982, Dig Dug was launched in Japan by Namco. Dig Dug gets a lot of hate these days. I like Dig Dug. You dig around in the sand, you fight these crazy dinosaurs and monsters, you hit them with an air pump and you make them explode. It's charming, it's fun, I like Dig Dug. And finally, 41 years ago, yes, 41 years ago, Data East Corporation was founded. And Data East is just one of those uh, companies that never got much respect. <laughs> You know, because they put out silly games like Dashing Desperados, uh, but they had an aesthetic to them that was really cool. Data East, if you're familiar with it, you probably have warm feelings, and if you're not, I can't really recommend any of the games because I'm not sure how well they actually hold up. But that's going to have to do it for Strong History. Take the time machine. Beep boop pop boop. Whew, what a fantastic episode. I think we can all agree this was a huge success and, and everybody loved this. Uh, but uh, I think it's around this time that we close out the show. Remember, if you want to follow me online, you can go to Twitter and follow at Dr. Crychop. That's at Dr. Crychop. If you want to follow the pressure cast, it's easy. Go on Twitter and follow at VGA Dumb. If you want to follow us on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash VGA Dumb. That stands for video games are dumb and they are dumb and you know it deep down inside. What's going to be coming up this week? Plenty of stuff. Uh, I'm going to have videos out. I don't want to say what because I just kind of want to surprise you. You know, it's going to be kind of cool. Uh, the week after that, though, I will have an episode of Worth It on the Silver Case, and then we will start to see some interviews that I did at the Midwest Gaming Classic. Really good interviews, really nice people, really exciting projects. There's one in particular on the NES that uses the Power Pad. It's a homebrew. You're not going to want to miss that one. It's insane. It's really crazy what this guy did with the Power Pad. Uh, but yes, you know, it's it's been a pretty good month all in all for the past uh, 28 days, 31 days, especially for Nintendo. Their dry spell finally ended after the Wii U launched and wasn't a huge success. After the 3DS launched and it wasn't a huge success and they had to do that whole ambassador program thing, Nintendo is finally hitting its stride. Everything ends. Good things begin. Except for the pressure cast. <laughs> because the pressure cast doesn't end. Because the pressure cast is forever. <laughs> See you guys.